You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Well, good morning, Discovery. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that video. We were just looking for something kind of fun, just, I mean... This is all crazy anyways, right? You're sitting maybe in your pajamas, eating waffles and watching church service, so we might as well live it up and enjoy something fun. Uh, hopefully you have this booklet, right? We had these, we passed them out a while ago. If you don't have it, you can download it off of our uh, social media sites. Um, this has been our um, devotional book that we've been doing as we've discovered Jesus. And it's been awesome, and this week it was neat to see different people from our church, our church family, talking about Jesus as a servant. If you have been following along, we're throwing an extra week in here with everything changed, with the race being canceled. Today's message doesn't correspond with this book. It's okay. Just keep going through the book. Now you're going to be ahead of the message that we're going to be looking at. So continue on with Jesus the Sacrifice this week and um, continue on just diving into God's Word. And it's pretty cool how we're still part of a church family, even though we're apart. So this week, we're looking at a friend. I remember when I was five, I went over to Christopher's house. Christopher was a little kid that I met at preschool, and we would play at each other's house every once in a while. And, and this one day, I, I don't know why, but his mom or his older sibling gave us some bubble gum. And so I was chewing on it, and I had this idea. I wonder what the bubble gum would look like in Christopher's hair. And so without Christopher noticing, I put it in his hair, and he never picked up on it. And we ended up continuing to play. So about an hour later, uh, his mom came out, and it was time for us to have lunch. And she said, what's in your hair? And by then, the gum had hardened and was like cement in his hair. And I remember she, we went in the kitchen, and she got peanut butter. And she lathered peanut butter on his head. Uh, I don't know if she was partly making our lunch or partly taking care of the gum. But either way, he was covered in peanut butter. And, and it took what seemed like, you know, for a five-year-old, forever for us to get this out. And, and she was able to pull it and then ended up having to cut some hairs and go give him a bath. And, and this whole long process, just because... I put some gum in his hair. But the fun thing was, after lunch, after the bath, after the peanut butter, Christopher and I went back to playing. And it was at that that I, even at five years old, discovered that a friend is someone who would forgive you no matter what you did, even if it's pretty stupid. When I was 13, I had a group of friends. We loved to rollerblade, and we would rollerblade everywhere in town. We played roller hockey, and we would rollerblade to, to buildings and restaurants. We got kicked out of countless number of restaurants. Um, but we loved to just rollerblade everywhere together. It was a big thing back then, and we loved it. And it was interesting. Our little group of friends, we had to wear helmets. All of our parents made us wear helmets. But we found this unique helmet shop. And so we were each able to make, get our own unique helmet One of my friends had a shark helmet, one had a dog helmet, I had the pig helmet. And so you can imagine me going around town with my pig helmet on. Um, (laughs) Everywhere we went, uh, I was wearing this as a goofy little 13-year-old wearing a hat. So it was at that point that I realized that I discovered a friend is someone that'll be by your side, no matter what you even look like. When we were 27, Sarah and I went through a hard uh, situation medically. And so we were struggling, and we had a close friend that came and drove over to our house. And they handed us the key to their home. And they said, we want you to come stay with us for the next couple weeks. We got you. And I didn't know then how important that was to us. I didn't realize how important it was for them to give me the key to their home. But through that experience, I discovered that a friend is there for you in the hard times 
as well as the good. This morning, as we've been doing Discover Jesus series, we're discovering Jesus as our friend. And and I know that might sound flippant and that might sound not as important, but you're going to see this is the words of Jesus. He calls himself our friend. And so while it might seem like this is uh, not very respectful or, or not, a, not as holy, you're going to see that this is what Jesus says on his last few minutes here on earth before the cross, is he calls himself our friend. So right now, if you will, pray with me at, at whatever site you're at. Close your eyes and, and let's come together and dive into what it means to discover Jesus as our friend. God, we just lift this up to you. We pray that we can discover you as our friend that we will be able to um, discover that you are Jesus. You are the sacrifice. You are the, the light. You are the king. You are the servant. And you are our friend. And God, we lift this up and we lift this prayer to you. In your name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it to John 15. This is uh, the end of the Last Supper. Last week, we looked at a very similar passage uh, at this discourse where Jesus went and washed the feet of his disciples. And now we're at the end of this meal. This is the last few hours before Satan takes over. These are the last few hours before Satan fully leads Judas to bring the Roman soldiers and to be able to capture Jesus. This is the last few hours before Jesus is is chained and then flogged. This is the last few hours before nails run through his wrists and his feet. Last few hours before darkness comes and death comes over Jesus. This is the last few hours that Satan thinks he's about to win. But we'll see, as you know, the end of the story, Satan does not win. And so Jesus has that confidence. He knows what's ahead, and he, it's not something that he's looking forward to, but he also knows that God will win in the end. And so even at this time where it's the last few hours, he still takes his time to be able to give, care and love on his disciples, to be able to continue to teach them, to make use of every final minute he has with them. And so when you think about that, think about the intensity of what's going on right now. Think about how Jesus is using every last minute, every second, every word to convey something that would be able to stay with them for a long time. In light of that, let's dive into these words. John 15, verse 9, says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my command, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He's headed to the cross. How can he be jovial? How can he talk about joy and love? And you see that, and then I think about our times right now, right? Maybe you're stuck at home and you're going crazy. Maybe you're an extrovert and you just want to get out. Maybe you're an introvert and you're loving this time and you just wish that your family was gone and they could go out and you'd even be by yourself. I don't know. But it's a time that there's a lot of worry. There's a lot of fear. Every time I pull up the news, all it is 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 talking about this disease, talking about these deaths, talking about tragedies. And you're just scrolling through, and it weighs on you. And you sit here and wonder, how can we be jovial? How can we be talking about love? It's the same thing Jesus was experiencing at this moment. He's at his last few hours, and he's still talking about joy. He's still talking about his love. Because that's not coming from his situation, it's coming from God. It's the same way with us, that in the midst of all this, we can still find joy, we can still find love, because we're we're tapping into God as that source. 
reading his Bible, coming to him in prayer. When we feel lonely, turning to him. When we're, when we're scared, turning to him for peace. Diving into his scriptures through all this to be able to find answers, to be able to find joy and love from God, not from our surroundings. So Jesus was right there with us. Same situation, and he shares that. And then he continues on in verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. The key word for Christianity is love. It's what we saw from Jesus on the cross, that he loved us. That John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That this message of love is integral, is, is the foundation of Christianity. They say that we'll know, people will know, recognize us as Christians by our love, by a self-sacrificing love. So he gives this command to love, and then he says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Wow. To lay down one's life for one's friends. Did you catch that? To give your life, which is exactly what Jesus did. That he did this for the disciples. You know, they're, they've finished the, the meal and they're in the upper room still putting on outer garments, getting ready to go out. And he's doing this teaching. People are cleaning up the table and, and they're trying to figure out where they're going to go. And he pulls them aside and he's giving them this message. And yes, he's saying to give their, his life for his friends. But he also gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. That would imply we are his friends. Isn't that crazy? You're a friend of Jesus. That he would lay down his life for you. And so when we look at that, we often look at scripture and how can we live this out? And, and really, that's not something many of us will ever have to face. That we would have to give, lay down our life for someone. But maybe what if we turn that a little bit, that Jesus lived by laying down his life. What if we pursued how we could live like Jesus? What would that look like? We've talked about it already this morning, but we, we have this idea of sent to serve. And anytime there's five weeks, five Sundays in a month, like this today, um, March 29th, we have the fifth Sunday. And so we often do sent to serve, which is we come meet here, do some worship, have communion, and then we go out. And we go to six, eight different sites around town. We go to an elderly home. We go help out Healing Hands. We go work downtown, do various different things. And we're not able to do that this week. But what we are able to do is serve. And so we're going to look at that as this message goes on and look at what would it look like to, to not lay down your life, but to live your life for Christ. To live your life doing a, a sense of serve even today. To, at the end of today's service, we're going to have ideas on how you could live your life for Christ. How you could pick up this verse and live this out. Greater love has no one, to, no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends, to love people in your community, to love your neighbor. So the passage continues, uh, John 15, verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know the master's business. Instead, I've called you friends, for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. What an amazing thought. That we're not just his servants where, where he's telling us what to do. He's included us as friends. This Greek word here for friends was, was the term that they would use for the, the friends of the king, the inner court, 
So these are the friends that the king allows to be in the court. And so when decisions are made, when conversations are planned, when whether it's in a time of war or a time of peace or decisions are made, these friends are all there listening to what the king has to say. They're privy to the information. It's the same thing Jesus is saying. You are one of the insiders. You have all that I have made known to you. And we have that through our scripture. Everything that Jesus wanted us to know, we know. We have written there in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have further explanations through the epistles that God wanted us to have and revealed. Everything that he would want us to know as friends, he has provided for us. So he's, co so he's conveyed this. He's given us this. We have that. We are this inner circle of friends with Jesus. Passage continues. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. As a friend, he wants to, to hear from us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to be able to, to give what we ask, and he wants us to bear his fruit. To go and serve your neighbor today, to, to love on someone in your home, to, to go and reach out. To bear his fruit. And then it closes with, this is my command. Love each other. How is it possible for Jesus to command us to love? Right? It seems like, I don't know if he can, how can he make a decision? How can he command us to make this decision out of our heart? And the reality is, loving doesn't come out of the heart. Uh, are my old pastor that I grew up with and, and married Sarah and I and gave us some wise premarital counseling always said that love is not a feeling, it's a choice. And he shared that sometimes you're not going to feel like loving your spouse, but you still need to choose to. And I'm so grateful that he was able to share that to us because Sarah, I'm sure there's been many times that she didn't feel like she loved me, that she wanted to love me, but she had to choose to. It's the same thing. Love is a choice. It's a choice on the actions we're going to take. It's a choice on living for Christ. It's not just how we feel that this feels right. It's a choice. And there's people that you're not going to want to be loving to. Are you willing to choose to share that love? That Jesus can give this as a command. Think about that. As Christians, we're in, we're, we're in, we need to follow what Jesus commands us to do. There are many commands, and this is one of them, to love others. We've been commanded that. It's a big deal. So we've been looking at Jesus as a friend, and, and I got the goofy idea of my five-year-old friend that was willing to love me even though I put gum in his hair, or my friends that were willing to still care about me even though I had uh, pig ears and a snout on my head everywhere we went. And so we often look at friends as this trivial thing. Right on Facebook, you with a little click, you can add up a tally of friends and, and feel like you got this a lot of friends. And so this word friend sometimes seems trivial. I'll be honest, uh, there's a song, I have a friend in God, I have a friend in God, he calls me friend. And, and when I've heard that song played on the radio, I don't know, something with me is always like, man, that just seems to belittle this relationship with the Lord. And it seems like it just makes it not as important. And and I take this concept of a kid that's willing to forgive me even though I put gum in his hair and take that concept of friendship and put that on Jesus. And I think we need to realize that that's not the same thing because this is the word Jesus uses. 
that song is accurate. I have a friend in God, and he calls me friend. And sometimes it's hard for us to balance. How can we have this holy king? Remember several weeks ago, we looked at this, the holiness of God, and we looked at Isaiah chapter 6, sitting on the throne. And how do you look at this holiness of God and, and then call him friend? That those two seem to not go hand in hand, but in reality, they do. Because in this conversation, Jesus is calling us friend, and he's giving us commands. He's calling us his friends, that this inner court that is welcome and privy to all his decisions, that's welcome and privy to all his information as we have this, the gospel. But he also is commanding us to love one another. He's commanding us to obey him. I came across an example that I thought really stood out really well to me. If you are familiar with the Old Testament, you know the story of Jonathan, Saul's son, and David. They were friends. They were deep friends. They had a deep friendship, and there was a companionship. There, there was a friendship that they wanted to be together, that they wanted to do things together, that they cared for one another. But also, David was the anointed king. And so when there were times that David, as the king, would ask Jonathan to do something, he would obey because David was the king. There was this friendship, but there's still respect. There was this friendship, but there's still an idea that this one, king, is in charge. And as David is that precursor to Jesus as our king, Jonathan is the precursor to us as Jesus' friend, but also his servant. So this is what Jesus is saying in this passage. So to be able to say that Jesus is my friend seems kind of flippant at times, but it's because of this idea we have of that word. Jesus is calling us his friend. These are his words. And at the same time, he's calling us to obey. He's giving us commands to love. So what would it look like to have this friendship with Jesus? I don't know if you have that friendship, and maybe today you're watching and you think, I would love to have that friendship, and I don't know if I do. And if that's the case, then uh, reach out to us. Uh, my phone number was up on the screen earlier. Um, and reach out, send me a text, and I'd love to be able to talk to you about that, on how you could have a friendship with God. And, and if you don't already have that, then I'd love to talk to you about it. But maybe you do, and maybe you're just looking at how can we better cultivate that friendship. And, and we cultivate that friendship for, through first realizing that we have a relationship with God and that he loves you. He calls you his friend. He knows the worst things I've ever done. He knows the worst things you've ever done. And you're still his friend. You know, Christopher still loved me and forgave me even though I put gum on his hair. And that's nothing compared to the sins that have mounted in my life that Jesus has forgiven. And he still calls me his friend. Another realization is to, to have that friendship with God means to have communion with him. To have conversations with him. To have a relationship. It's not much of a friendship if you don't see each other except for maybe once a year and you never communicate. A true friendship cares about one another, calls one another, talks to one another, texts one another, listens to one another, spends time together. Is that your walk? Is that your friendship with God? Daily, are you spending time in prayer? Daily, are you spending time in his word? Are you trying to hear from Jesus as much as we're trying to tell Jesus what we want in a long list of prayer requests? Is there a conversation and communion with this friend? And our friendship with Jesus comes through our obedience, is listening to him, following him, doing what he says. He commands us to love. 
So all this week we've been showing little videos on social media about CentaServe ideas. And so we are asking you, this is CentaServe week, what could you do? What could you do right now at the end of this message? Throughout this week, we've had ideas like going and giving blood. Um, we also had ideas of having cards. Uh, there are two elderly homes that well, there's 170 elderly that can't have any visitors, aren't getting any visitations, and we have reached out to those homes, and they have asked us if we could write them cards. So at the church office, the blue house near the building, we have boxes of, of cards that if you wanted to come by and grab a pack, if you don't have any cards at home, come by, grab a pack, and, and write a message to the elderly. If you have cards at home, write one, two, 10, 20 cards. Bring them by the church office. There's a box on the patio that you can place those in, and we'd like to collect all those 170 cards. Give those out. That's a simple sin to serve you can do in the comfort of your home. Maybe your sense of serve is today going through your closets and we're collecting. We have several people that our, our purpose statement is to discover Jesus and find your place in his story. And we have several ladies that their heart has gone out to the foster care kids. And so they're finding that their place in his story is to provide clothes for kids in foster care. And so we're starting a clothing bank of gently used clothing that we can give to kids through the foster program and give to kids at Discovery Church. Maybe your sense of serve today when this is over, is just go up in the closet and find some old clothes that, you've out, that the kids have outgrown and be able to pack those up and bring it to church in a week or two, three. I don't know when we're ever going to be able to get back together. But set those aside. Um, we've been asking for ideas of sense to serve. There are so many that have come in. Someone said, why don't you go do Christmas caroling in your neighborhood? Share some love and just some laughter in the midst of all this. Uh, we, we've talked about giving blood. Um, Nick Wolf and Dawson Willis came and mowed the entire church yesterday. Nick said it was an awful job. It took two and a half hours. But he was willing to give his time. Maybe you could come uh, pull weeds here or at the Hope House. They need landscaping as well. If you need, we can get you contact information for the Hope House and be able to go and spend some time. Or maybe, as a staff, we were talking, what is something everyone could do today, right now, in the next few minutes? And we got to thinking, everyone has a neighbor, right? Maybe you're watching this in an apartment complex and your neighbor is 10 feet away. Maybe you're watching this in your home and it's, it's a yard away. I don't know, but everyone has a neighbor. So imagine, if you look there on Facebook, that there's a ticker of how many people are watching. Imagine if each unit watching went and reached out to a neighbor in the next 20 minutes. When this service is over, you got fully dressed and you went out and you reached out to your neighbor. And just knock on their door and, and maybe you're talking through a door or a glass window. Maybe they'll open the door. I don't know. But ask them how they're doing. Spend some love. Just talk to them. Interact. Spend some time and say, hey, is there anything I can do? I got my mower. Can I mow your yard? I'm already going to Walmart. Can I get you some groceries? Do you want me to hang out with your kids so you could get a break? Do you want to just sit and have a glass of tea on the patio? Imagine if every one of us, while it might be, you might be thinking, it's just one neighbor, how big of a difference could that be? Imagine if everyone right now went and did this. We'd have over 100 different neighbors in the next half an hour that felt the love of Jesus. That's the point of sin to serve. It's to be his hands and feet. It's to fulfill this command to love. I know our family, we're getting together with a couple other families, and, and we pooled a little bit of money. It didn't cost that much, and we're going and providing meals for the neighbors across the street, that, that apartment complex across the street from the church. We're going to go and provide 100 meals today. 
and we got all the stuff, and, and we sent out flyers, and we're going to have social distancing, but as they come up and get their food, we're going to have people saying, what can I pray for you about today? And so our hands and feet is going to be food, but it's also going to be prayer. Ask your neighbor, how could you pray? And then follow up on those prayer requests. Reach out to them over the next several days and say, hey, how's that going? Follow this command of living love, of living as a friend to your neighbor. Because Jesus is our friend. And he set that example first. You might be thinking, that's easy except for this one neighbor, and, and that neighbor's nuts, and that neighbor's always yelling at me, and that neighbor's dog bit me in the backside the last time I was over there. I don't know, right? But I want to share with you one, one text that stood out to me. as I, I did a Google search on Jesus and the word friend, and there's a scripture that stood out to me and hit home. This is just a couple hours after Jesus' discourse about being a friend. Judas has left, and he's went and got the Roman soldiers, and they're meeting at the garden. And there's a small army coming to capture Jesus. And we see this. It says, now, and this is in Matthew 26, verse 48 through 50. Now, the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, the one I will, ki- the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Even after he's been betrayed by Judas, he calls him friend. He still chooses to love him. In the midst of Judas's horrible decision, in the midst of this betrayal, Jesus still loved. Jesus still called him friend. So maybe as you're thinking, who am I going to reach out to? What neighbor am I going to go talk to? Maybe that neighbor that you struggle to get along with? Maybe that neighbor that the dog's always barking at you? Maybe that's the one that we need to reach out to today and show them that they're our friend. Show them our love. Show them God's love, that Jesus is love. We're going to come back and have a time of worship here in a minute, and I'm going to pray and, and just dive into this one last time, uh, the scripture, but I just want to encourage you. Go today. Don't just turn off the Facebook Live at the end and say, that's great, go have lunch. Figure out how are you going to be a friend? How are you going to go and do sent to serve? If you'll pray with me right now. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your care. God, um, you said you are my friends if you do what I command in John 15, 14. And we thank you for that message. We thank you for that challenge to, to, be, to follow your commands, to love. And God, we want to be your friend. We thank you that you call us friend. We're humbled by that. And God, we lift this up in your name. Amen.